You're listening to To The Spirit Podcast. Hi, friends, and welcome to The Spirit. I'm Beck. And I'm Steph. Do you know what today is, Steph? Today is Saturday. Well, (laughs) it is, but it's Para News Day. And with us, we have our usual fantastic, fabulous co-host, Jason. Hello, everybody. Hi, Jay. Welcome. 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 Boo. <laughs> Fabulous July so far. What do you guys think? Um, <laughs> no, it was rainy. Oh, really yeah, rainy. yeah, that's true. It has been rainy and hot, huh? And all I've been doing is working pretty much. So just working except for the one trip that we just did recently. But what about you, Jay? You've been enjoying your heat waves in New York City? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm a fall person. I want hoodies. I want to wear a hoodie. And, you know, if you need to catch some air, you can go outside and breathe a little bit of crisp air. But when it's hot, it's just it's like you're in front of a blow dryer. Yeah. It's like the devil's breath on your face. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to start today's show off with a little fate or fake. And what these are are paranormal magazine headlines. And I want to see if you two can guess if it's fate or if it's fake. Okay. All right. So the first headline is, my horse taught me to talk to other animals. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Steph. What do you think? I think it's true. Well, you are correct. I'm going to say it's true. Yes, you're both correct. The second headline is, learn how to read minds, even your pet. True. I would say it's true. And you're both correct on that one. Oh, boy. Shadow people stalk my family. I could say it could be true, but whether it's a true story. Yeah. You're both going to say true? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's correct. That's fate. All right. Let's go to the casino stuff. That's a fake. I know. You guys are doing great. Number four, write to the angels and get a reply. Uh, I know that wouldn't work for me. So (laughs) So you're going to say say fake? true. All right. Jason's fake. Okay. So it is true wow maybe you got to try that number five gotta get their address though (laughs) (laughs) evil spirits tried to kill our puppy fake i'm trying not to laugh (laughs) so (laughs) it's looking at your face saying it (laughs) all right so what are you saying oh fate or fate say it's it's true and the answer is true fate stuff's kind of in the lead here by one we broke into a haunted house and caused a tragedy. Fake. I'll go fake. You're both incorrect. That was true. You have more, How come you have so many true ones and very Well, you're just going to have to go with this quiz and hush okay. your mouth, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I wished my baby back to life. Fake. Fake. Incorrect. That's true as well. Neighbor still cuts my lawn two years after he dies. Fake. <laughs> Screw it. I'll say real. I'd love for that to be real. Stuff's up yeah. to you. Number nine. The magical forest that reveals your future. Fake. I'll go true. I want that to be true. And Jason just came up by one. So one more to tie up with stuff. Attacks- where, where is that? It doesn't say. This is just a weird quiz. Okay. All right. (laughs) I guess we could Google it. All right. (laughs) Attacked in my bed by an army of spooks. (laughs) 
<laughs> not a couple, but an army. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll say false on that one. And the correct answer is true. Stuff's up by two again. I'm a real life alien. I want to say fake, but there are some people out there that believe that. So I don't know. Maybe they are stuff. Who am I to judge? <laughs> so you're going to say true? I'm going to say fake. Okay. Also, I'm going to say true. And Jason is correct. He's back up in the in the running. Number 12. I was met by the angel of death before it took my mom. True. Yeah, I'm going to go true with that. And you're both correct on that one. Faulty car horn literally woke the dead. Fake. Uh, I'll say true. And the answer is fake. Steph's up by three. And we have two oh. questions left. Let's see. Phantom ghost door stopping me getting in my attic. <laughs> true. Uh, I'll go false on that. Jason's correct on that one. And the last one is branded spook left me black and blue. True. The word branded, it has to be true. And you're both correct on that. So Steph was up by two. Good times, guys. <laughs> Good yeah. times. I, I, I think in contest, I'm like one in 15. It, yeah, it things happens. might turn. The tables could turn. Look so, at this, Beck. I didn't even notice he was sitting next to me. My cat is cuddled up next to Steph. He loves her. It heard the uh, story about the dog getting killed and freaked out a little bit by the ghost <laughs> ghost keeps tapping recording equipment during podcast true that's true true <laughs> steph do you want to start us off with some news or do you want me to start us off or? Uh, i got one right here all right okay so everyone knows about the building that collapsed out in florida yeah right okay yeah. so this headline that i found it says missing grandparents landline calling from champlain tower south condo family says it has been three long days without word for so many from loved ones who are missing after the Champlain. Is it Champlain or Champlain? I don't know. I'll say Champlain. Champlain Towers South collapsed early Thursday morning. Jake Samuelson's grandparents, Arnie and Miriam Notkin, live in apartment 302, and the family is still waiting to hear from them. We all know that's too late now, I think. Yeah. Or have they heard from them? Samuelson said his mother's house line has been receiving calls from the Nodkins landline phone that rested next to their bed. But there is no human sound on the other end of the line, only static. The family has received a total of 16 calls, with the first one coming in the evening of the condo collapse at 9.50 p.m. Thursday. Part of the 12-story building came down around 1.30 a.m. Thursday. Samuelson said when the first call came in, the family had a mix of emotions. We were all sitting there in the living room, my whole family, Diane, my mother, and we were just shocked and we kind of thought nothing of it because we answered and it was static. On Friday morning when the family went to the reunification center, there were more calls, 15 more to be exact. So they got 15 phone calls. Yeah. Every call after has been gut-wrenching because they don't know if it's actually the Notkins or something else. We're trying to rationalize what is happening here. We are trying to get answers, Samuelson said about his grandparents. Arnie is known as a beloved physical education teacher, and Miriam is a banker and real estate agent. Samuelson said the family did not receive any calls on Saturday. The last one was Friday night. So as far as I know, they, they must be gone, which is sad. But they're getting, was it 15 or 16 phone calls? But makes you wonder if they were trapped 
I thought about that. What if they were just trapped? Like they're in a little bubble that they could crawl around in. <laughs> a little bubble? Like, you know, like maybe like a little, if if the building collapsed, maybe they were like encased in something and they had the phone right next to their bed. What if it still works somehow? I don't know. And they were trying to call. There is a book called Phone Calls from the Dead. I've, yeah, I've heard of that. And I've had phone calls from the dead come straight to my voicemail twice. And it was from like a 000000, 000, 000, 000, 000, 000, 000 number. And my mom swears she got a phone call from St. Padre Pio. She was talking to her friend on the phone and they were talking about Padre Pio. And all of a sudden, both of them heard at the same time birds over the phone, like chirping birds, like really beautiful birds. And then all of a sudden she heard an Italian, adio, 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 said it three times. That means in Italian, like, God be with you. It's like saying adios in, in Spanish. So it's like saying God be with you, but it's, it's also... That's how you say goodbye to somebody. And they both heard it. And they're like, they had to be Padre Pio because they were talking about him. <laughs> Why would <laughs> <laughs> You sure it wasn't Lenny next door outside in his uh, well, garden? It's Yeah, I know. Someone was <laughs> spying on them and just came up with it spontaneously. No, I, like I, the, I the lines crossed. <laughs> I believe it. I've had some weird stuff too, so I get it. All right, if we're going to go ghosts, let's go ghosts then. A New Jersey school that's vacant is occupied by ghost question mark ghosts in an old school in south new jersey didn't haunt the students rather they reportedly began their spectral appearances after the facility was closed in 2004 it's not haunted in a bad way they're good ghosts maintenance worker art welsh said his sightings began in 2006 when he was working alone at the elizabeth v edwards school which had fallen into disrepair curiously the main ghost is thought to be the school's founder namesake who died in 1965 at the age of 90. Walsh saw an apparition of Miss Edwards who just seemed to be quietly observing him. He also heard unexplained creaking sounds and 1940s music, saw doors moving on their own and smelled cigarettes and coffee. Did they smoke in the schools back then? They probably did. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> One Doctor's of the school- office. You know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> one of the spookiest experiences was when an unplugged rotary phone oh wow they still have that in the principal's office began ringing perhaps a spam call from the dead here we go with the phone calls in 2014 the ghost hunters tv team investigated the school and were overcome by the smell of chocolate that seemed to come from nowhere that's a good smell though it is yeah it's better than Cho- rotten soft sulfur <laughs> or like when you have yeah. bad spirits yeah yeah chocolate coffee and cigarettes it sounds like a dream. Mm. It does. <laughs> the ghost is having breakfast, man. <laughs> <laughs> Mobster said spirit of his grandparents told him to turn rat. Lucchese mobster John Panese said he got an earth-shaking message from the great beyond via his deceased grandparents that convinced him to become a government turncoat. The paranormal message came to him in his Long Island home just as he was praying before a photo of his late grandparents and seeking their advice about whether he should turn informant. Just as that moment, Panisi said he heard a sudden loud rattling of dishes and glasses. So that's, I guess, while he was praying and he heard that in his house going on. Everything was shaking in the house, Panisi told podcaster Gary Jenkins. That was the sign, Panisi said, that convinced him to turn himself into the FBI in October of 2018. In the podcast, Panisi also offered dramatic new details on attempts on his life that he believes had been ordered by his former Lucchese allies. Shortly before receiving the supernatural message from the other side, 
He was chased by five or six bloods at a Manhattan job site. Panizzi said the hoodlums were laying in wait to kill him for the Lucchese's. I couldn't believe the level of disrespect that he had stooped to, Panizzi said. He said the Lucchese clan had started using other ethnic groups that began using the Bloods. On another occasion, he said he had chased off another group of Bloods with a pistol and a knapsack. But anyways, the point I think of this is that he was involved in gang life, you know, the mafia, and he believes that his prayers were answered by hearing plates and things rattle during his prayer. No, that was the victims of his murders yeah, haunting yeah. him. Like <laughs> yeah. the movie Ghost. I think he's, I think he's uh, the definition. He's a rat. You know? He is like, a rat. You turn people in after yourself committing a bunch of crimes to get some protection. You're a rat. <laughs> Suspected haunting forces family in France to flee to their balcony to sleep. Believing that their home is haunted, a French family has spent the last month sleeping in a tent on their balcony in order to avoid the unsettling paranormal activity that's disrupted their lives. The strangeness reportedly began last September when they took up residence in a new apartment located in the community of Replonge. Did you hear my dog snoring? She's snoring. Although their new home initially seemed like a perfect fit for the couple, known only as Patricia and David C., and their two children... Trouble started brewing almost immediately after they moved into the location as they began seeing mysterious black shadows lingering around the apartment. Shortly thereafter, the family says that they began experiencing significant paranormal activity in the homes with lights and appliances randomly turning off, phones suddenly becoming frozen, and strange noises coming from their dishes. Understandably concerned by the incidents and apparently convinced that they were paranormal in nature rather than something prosaic and the building manager could fix, they enlisted a type of psychic healer in France known as a magnetiseur. Such individuals are said to have mastered or are gifted with the ability to use magnetic energy in all manner of magical ways. In this instance, the magnetiseur, I don't know if I'm saying that right, could allegedly sense spirits and upon visiting the home determined that it was haunted by the spirit of a woman from the 19th century. Unfortunately for them, the ghost was not a fan of the family, which is why it had been causing a ruckus in the home since they first arrived. The predicament became all the more problematic because they are unable to move out of the apartment and the managers of the complex are not swayed by the magnetizer's analysis. And so, at their wit's end, the family took the dramatic measure of setting up a small tent on their balcony in order to avoid their proverbial and possibly literal roommate from hell imagine having to move out on your balcony in a tent in france in the middle of so it's probably so hot and they turn the electricity off don't they there a few times a day to conserve i think I, yeah i'm not aware of that but wow yeah, yeah i think uh i think so glass of wine a, a baguette <laughs> go out on the balcony by myself <laughs> yeah but you'd be sleeping out there all day and all night where are you going to pee you're gonna go back in and deal with the uh the old lady that doesn't want you there <laughs> And now, with Retro News, is Jay. This bit of Retro News I'm reporting is called The Dead Man Who Helped Telly Savalas. Us older folk know Telly Savalas a little bit. You know, he played Kojak in the 70s, a detective. And, and um, some people might know him in the episode The Living Doll. Talking Tina, I'm talking Tina, and I don't like you. You know, he's the dad oh, yeah. in that. Yeah. This is before he became famous. It's 
February 27, 1957, 3 a.m. He's driving home from his cousin's house in Long Island, and it's a downpour. Halfway through, the car runs out of gas, and he gets out, ventures out a bit, and he comes across a diner, and the counterperson directs him to a fairly close-by garage a few hundred yards away. So he's walking in the rain, and it's dark out, and a black Cadillac pulls up. Do you want a lift? The driver asks, and he gets in. Telly goes on to tell him there's a garage nearby. Just go here and go there. Uh, the counterperson gave him directions. The man didn't speak. He just stared straight ahead. He had a very blank face, an uh, airiness to him. And he just looked over the, re- over the wheel. Didn't blink, just drove straight ahead. He wore a black tux, silk shirt, and a black bow tie. And then Telly asks him, where are you headed? And the guy says, to the crossroads of my destiny. And and they, they keep driving. They get to the garage. Telly gets out. He offers the man a couple of bucks. But when he looks in his wallet, he realizes he has no money. Um, but he really wanted to pay him. So he asks the driver for his address so he can mail him the money later. And the driver is very nervous and reluctant, but ultimately gave him his name, uh, which would be uh, Harry Aganis. And he gave him his address, his Manhattan address. And because Telly didn't have any money, he gave him a dollar for gas. Car pulls away, and when Telly looks back, the car is gone. You know, it's just a long road. There's no other way he can go. You'd see him going down the road. It's gone. Later on, he secures his Twilight Zone gig, and off and running is his career. He calls the number of the note with all the information that the driver gave him, and an old woman answers. Telly asks about Harry, and then the woman starts weeping uncontrollably. He's been dead for three years and slams the phone down. So a couple of months later... Telly's haunted by this and he goes to visit the house and after some reluctance she recognizes him and lets him in she showed him pics of Harry and it was definitely him it was the driver and the story is that three years earlier to the day that Telly is visiting the house Harry was driving home after a high school reunion wearing that tux and he had a terrible accident it was raining uh, the same type of night when Telly met him And he went off the road and had a horrible crash and he died. Telly refused to visit that area of Long Island ever again. And that story haunted him throughout his life. That's amazing. It, it's something that seemed to help him so much too. It doesn't, I would be thinking that, you know, I'd be more in awe, like, wow, I got to this place in my life and I wouldn't have got the ride. So it's really amazing. To me, it wouldn't, I don't think that would scare me. I think it would be so amazing didn't seem too freaky it just was a little off-putting the guy seemed to help him he gave him a dollar you know and maybe he knew that he was about to be big and he needed to stay on the same path haunted village for sale in scotland guys i think we should think about this the ruins of a scottish village said to be occupied by a ghost of the 17th century prophetess is up for sale Spanning approximately 3.3 acre. Well, that's less acreage than here. Okay, never mind. I have more acreage than they do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Very tiny village. It's on the shore of Lochte. The picturesque property known as the Old Village of Lawyers reportedly features the remnants of multiple buildings that constituted the community centuries ago. While the village was ultimately abandoned in 1926, there is said to be one resident who remains at the location, albeit in spirit form. 
who has become something of a legend by way of her eerie predictions that seemingly came to fruition on several occasions. Known as the Lady of Lawyers, Mary Campbell resided in the village during the late 17th century and earned reputation for being able to foresee future events. Oh, she was a fortune teller, which she revealed in a poetic fashion similar to Nostradamus. Perhaps most famous of her prophecies centered around an ash tree that she planted near a church in the village. Campbell cautioned that when the tree grew to the height of the church's gable, the building would split asunder. Centuries later, her prediction came to pass when a violent thunderstorm destroyed the church just as a tree had reached the prescribed height. The Lady of Lawyers is also credited with having predicted the emergence of railroads, which she described as fire coaches, as well as steamships, which she envisioned as being ship driven by smoke. Chillingly, one prophecy put forward by Campbell which has yet to come true, is that such a vessel would sink in the Loch Tay and there would be a great loss of life. Given her strong connection to the location, many believe that the ghost of the legendary soothsayer still roams the grounds of the village. Now, the current asking price for this property is $173,000, and the purchase includes a private beach, fishing rights, semi-ancient native woodlands, and presumably the spirit of Lady of Lawyers. If I've got a Scottish accent, I sound like this, and I say Laurius. There you go. Laurius. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Would you buy the property stuff? No. Why not? I don't, I don't know. know. I'm not interested in gloomy, doomy Scotland. It's where my people are from. Some of my people. I, I got a fragment of Scottish in me. A fragment. Just fragment. a fragment. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't want to go there. <laughs> Let's move on to some strange shit, guys. Sure. So I've been coming across some crazy, strange things lately. And Steph had spoken about earth changes and things when mm -hmm. we were at the girls' getaway. Mm -hmm. And we know that there's massive floodings going on all around the world. Yeah. Fires, droughts on one end. Extreme it's temperatures. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Siberia has had wildfires. It's so hot there. Yeah. And, and according to some of the prophets out there that, well, at least they're claiming to be prophets, we're in pretty much a shift, a, a big polar shift where things are just going to get crazier from here. And there might be a mass exodus. Well, I hope New York becomes tropical and beautiful. It already is. It already is. <laughs> We're getting there, but. The animals and the creatures seem to be aware of this as well. And they're, they're responding to these things. They're acting differently. So I have two articles. My dog snoring is driving me up a wall. Do you hear how loud she is? It's loud. Brizzy. Yeah. Brizzy. <laughs> Her eyes are open and she's still snoring. Yeah. And she's not like even she's, a bulldog. Yeah, it's she's, like she's hypnotized right now. <laughs> okay, Gotta get her a CPAP machine. I do, yeah. I do. <laughs> Alaska man rescued following bizarre week-long battle with a grizzly bear. Now a week long? A week long. A man in Alaska was rescued after enduring a nightmarish week-long battle with a grizzly bear that had attacked him multiple times. The harrowing tale. <laughs> Are you laughing, Jason? This is Week, insane. What was it like at the end of the day? All right, uh, round two tomorrow. This is some <laughs> revenant shit right here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this bear's not very good at killing, by the way. No, no. But maybe this guy's really like, you know, he, he's Shifty. like Leo. He was trying he, to tenderize him before. <laughs> yeah. So he was uh, 40 miles outside of the city of Nome. And he was staying there by himself, which right there, it's like, what the hell's wrong with you? But okay. The man soon experienced most campers' worst case scenarios as he was attacked by a grizzly bear. Now, although he initially managed to fend off the beast, the terrifying predicament had only just begun. Over the course of the next week, the grizzly bear returned to the unfortunate man's camp every night 
seemingly in an attempt to finish what it had started. Somehow the camper <laughs> somehow the camper was able to survive the repeated attacks, but the ongoing ordeal left him with an injured leg and the inability to get any sleep as he was forced to continually fight off the aggressive animal. Fortunately, just as the situation had gotten to be quite dire, he was down to only two remaining rounds of ammunition for his gun. A Coast Guard helicopter passed over his camp. The crew aboard the chopper were stunned to see SOS and the words help me written on the roof of the small shack where the man had been staying. According to the co-pilot A.J. Hammock, when the helicopter landed, the crew were met by the man who emerged from a shack on his hands and knees waving a white flag. <laughs> <laughs> the disoriented camper subsequently explained what had happened to him and the team transported him to the nearby Nome for medical treatment. While bear attacks in Alaska are not unheard of, wildlife experts say that this particular case is rather unique as such encounters are usually isolated incidents rather than an ongoing series wherein the same creature keeps targeting a person over and over. Though the man's battle with the bear may have ended, we're guessing that it'll be quite some time before he gets a restful night's sleep after what he experienced at the camp. <laughs> PTSD, man. Oh. Yeah. I've had some, some uh, wasps. That's terrifying to me. I can't imagine it being a bear. Actually, when I was a kid, do you ever have like a bad dog in the neighborhood? Oh, that yeah. You can't walk past their house. Yeah, and the they dog come comes out, out, try to oh, bite your God, ass. I've had that experience. Yeah. So terrified as a kid. Now imagine that as a giant bear. I know. I can't. I can't picture it. It just seems like that would, I think I would die of exhaustion and fear. I really do. I think for me too, because when a bear attacks you, they don't kill you right away. They don't go for the jugular like a panther would. They actually eat you piece by piece, starting with your feet and go very slowly. <laughs> Are you sure about the feet first? I don't know about the feet huh. first, but I know they take their time and they eat piece by piece and while you're alive. They don't take you out. It's almost like they enjoy it. it must be the adrenaline in you that they're eating. Yeah. I don't know. That's crazy. That's scary. Bears are scary. So I'm going to say that the next uh, article that I came across might explain why this is happening. Maybe. Chimps observed lethally attacking gorillas in the wild for the first time. For the first oh. time ever, a community of chimpanzees were observed lethally attacking a troop of gorillas in the wild. The remarkable moment reportedly occurred uh, at a national park in Gabon, Gabon, G-A-B-O-N, where a team of researchers had been conducting a long-term observational study of the site's resident chimps. Living alongside those primates at the park are a number of wild gorillas that up until now had peacefully coexisted with the creatures. However, this assumption based on years of observation was upended when the team managed to stumble across a moment unlike anything else they or any other scientists had ever seen. At first, we noticed screams of chimpanzees right there and my hairs are going up and thought we were observing a typical encounter between individuals of neighboring chimpanzee communities. But then we heard chest beats a display characteristics for gorillas and realized that the chimpanzees had encountered a group of five gorillas. When the researchers investigated the curious cacophony of sounds, they were surprised to see an epic battle unfolding. Between, this is like Planet of the Apes here. Okay, this was not an isolated event. So it wound up being that the first of two such brawls among the beasts that researchers documented over the course of a year. Now, according to their observations, the simian showdown last approximately an hour each and saw the chimpanzees form coalitions and launch attacks on the gorillas. Now, while the adult 
gorillas were able to hold their own against the unusually aggressive chimpanzees and ultimately escaped the fracas, a pair of their infants were lost in the attack. The question researchers are now understandably asking is why has this unseen behavior come about? And one theory is being that there's food scarcity brought about by climate change, and that's resulted in hangry chimps targeting their neighbors in the hopes of finding sustenance. Or they oh. touched the monolith. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jason knows that me and chimps and monkeys or whatever you want to call them don't get along. Do you remember that, Jay? When we went to like a, like it was like a homemade zoo or something. What was that? Like a sanctuary? Yeah. Where Mr. Awesome was. Mr. Awesome was there, which was a rooster that had an insane voice, you know? Yeah. Like something was broken, but we loved him. He was yeah. strutting around. There were these like snow monkeys or something. I don't even know. They were scary looking. I think they were like Japanese. And I had gone over to the cage and they tried to rip my face off. They were going insane. Do you remember that? After that, I have a problem with monkeys, chimpanzees, all of it. (laughs) I'm not a big fan. I think gorillas are kind of neat. They're so big and they seem to be very intelligent, but all of them scare me. And there was one show I saw. It was a nature show. And these small villages in Africa where people are literally living in the hut, in a hut, not like a real strong house with a nice door. So these, I don't know if they're mandrills or whatever. There's like, they got those like bubblegum asses <laughs> and the long faces yeah. and the big teeth. And like the fur, they almost have like furry, wild hair, you know, hair, but the rest of their body is kind of short hair. This one poor African lady, she's taking a nap. Now she's in a little hut, but when she took a nap, her baby was near, one of the monkeys came in. And stole her baby. And so she was like, a monkey took my baby. (laughs) (laughs) But how terrifying is that? Your baby's gone and you know that some giant like monkey with a scary bubblegum ass and a long face with giant teeth just ate your baby. I would be horrified. They've been pulling toddlers off of bicycles and dragging them down the street. (laughs) Have you ever seen that video? Oh my god. This this actual monkey comes riding a little motorcycle moped down the street. (laughs) (laughs) If you you get a chance, guys, go on to YouTube and put monkey takes toddler. And you'll see this little monkey riding a... I don't think it was a bicycle. It was like a little moped. And he... did he, how did he know how to write he a moped? How to, it must have been one of those trained ones that they do to make money. And he he, he rode down, he grabbed this toddler and dragged it back down the street. I don't know what in the hell he was going to do to that baby. He wanted to start an axe together. <laughs> <laughs> I just think earth changes are causing really strange things to happen. Yeah. going to go into these weird creatures i came upon this article that i had never heard of anything like this before and the header of the article says strange creatures and connections to ouija boards and seances now when i say ouija boards and seances what do you think you know i don't know (laughs) ghosts and demons voices yeah portals (laughs) shit like that right well 
there was a man named Gooch. He has written many books and there was an occasion while Gooch was taking part in a seance and something incredible happened. As the seance progressed, a strange creature manifested in the room. Gooch himself wrote of what came next. There was a crouching ape-like shape, which became clearer as the moments passed. I guess it approximated to most people's idea of what an ancient caveman would look like, like a Neanderthal. Right. Yet one could not make out too much detail. The eyes were hidden, for example. It stood half-shadow, watching us, breathing heavily as if nervous, though he sensed rather than heard the breathing. He could not decide whether the visitor was wearing the skin of some animal or whether it had a rough coat of hair of its own. And he, Gooch, continued to stare at this thing. He could only conclude that what he was seeing was nothing less than a classic Neanderthal. Now, let's get on to the matter of the Ouija board. A somewhat similar event to that occurred in 1985. And this is in Rochester, New York. This story comes out of, uh, from a woman named Laura, who at the time in question was in her mid-teens. And one particular Friday night when her parents were out for the evening and weren't due back until well after midnight, Laura arranged for several of her friends to come over for a slumber party, something which involved them dabbling with a Ouija board, although Laura wasn't aware of the aspect of that night's entertainment until her friend arrived and had a Ouija. Brooke whipped the board out of a bag for everyone to see, and the four girls, Laura, Alice, and Brooke, and Beth, was a perfect way to have a diversion from school, homework, and boyfriend dramas. Now, by Laura's own admission, none of the girls had any clue. Do you hear that? Yeah. I think, do you, did you hear that, Jason? No. no. Okay. It was the perfect way to have a diversion from school, homework, and boyfriend dramas. By Laura's own admission, none of the girls had any clue how to use a Ouija board in the slightest. In fact, Brooke aside... Not even a single one of them had even seen the board in person before. Great fun resulted from asking the board about sex, boys, and their future escapades. Things got a little more serious when one attempted to contact a dead relative. Somewhat of a dark and unsettling atmosphere briefly enveloped the four friends, causing them to suspect that they had opened a paranormal portal to something malevolent. It was in the early hours of the morning that something terrifying occurred. An abomination was about to put in an appearance. Laura was awoken from a nauseous, sickly smell that filled her bedroom. She was about to turn on the light when, thanks to the moon's illumination that gave a small amount of light into the room, she could see something standing in the corner of the room. Laura hardly, surprisingly, tried to scream, but nothing came out. It was, she said, as if something was preventing her from making any noise. It was as if her very mind and body were under the control of the awful, shadowy thing that glared at her from the darkness. To Laura's even greater terror, the beast began to move towards the bed, slowly and silently. She could then finally see what it was that had invaded her bedroom. It was a large, black-haired beast that looked like a cross between a man and a huge ape. Its thick, long arms hung by its side, and its silvery eyes stared at her, betraying no sign of emotion whatsoever. The creature then moved closer still, around to the side of the bed, and bending forward its face was barely six inches from Laura's, at which point she could no longer fail to see that thing before there was some sort of, it was a primitive human standing right in front of her. Hmm. And it was a classic ape man. Let's leave the strange creatures behind and take a look at the connection between UFOs, aliens, the CIA, and Ouija boards. <laughs> Did you know this, that the CIA yeah. began infiltrating seances and occult gatherings during the 50s? And a memo dated April 9, 1953, 
refers to a domestic and therefore illegal operation that required the planting of a very specialized observer at a seance in order to obtain a broad surveillance of all individuals. On the UFO issue, there's a matter of the men in black and their connection to Ouija boards. And I'm not talking about the MIB of Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. Rather, I'm talking about the men in black who descended on the poor flying saucer enthusiast, Albert Bender, whose life was quickly turned upside down in the early 50s because Bender was using the Ouija board and had taken part in seances for a long time. So interestingly, Brad Steger suspected that it was Bender's use of the Ouija boards that directly allowed the men in black to enter Bender's environment. You may want to keep that in mind just in case, you know, one day you decide to get involved. So <laughs> what we're getting out of this is creatures that are like Neanderthals and ape-like coming through the Ouija's and the seances. And then they're saying that it's attracting, possibly attracting the men in black for a visit. That's weird. The CIA seems to be involved in many weird things. Like, did you ever hear about how they infiltrated like famous rock bands introducing certain drugs to them on purpose. I mean, in just manipulating, there's so many interesting stories about that too. But I wouldn't doubt that there's some, you know, when you hear about remote viewing, how the government got involved in right. remote viewing. Yeah. But I've never heard of some sort of creature like that Coming showing through. up. Yeah. yeah. But then when you think about Bigfoot, no one has gotten a Bigfoot, of course. There's no proof of it. They seem to manifest in weird ways. They seem to be connected to UFOs at times. And it's just a weird phenomenon. They just show up and they see like footprints and stuff, but they've never gotten one. I've always feel like they're more of a, a weird spiritual creature that shows up. They what, almost the sound, men in black? No, the Bigfoot. And it oh. kind of reminds me of like, oh. they call them an ape man. Like, okay. I, I don't know. So you think it was more of a Bigfoot type creature that might have been? Possibly. That kind of popped in my head. I'm not saying yeah, it is because obviously we don't know for sure. But nothing's off the table, Steph. Nothing's off the table. <laughs> I, I, I just can't believe that they sell Ouija boards and kids are at home going, yeah, and playing yeah. with them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think there's been enough information about them that people wouldn't buy them anymore. But I think there's a lot who are very interested. Well, I so, think they would continue to buy them because of all the movies and things. And yeah, people think it's fake until they play around with it and get the repercussions. Yeah, I, I did one at my friend's birthday party when I was about 10 and it said I'd live to 63. Oh, great. What like, does that mean? How, how many more years you got left, bud? <laughs> uh, you know, 16. Okay, well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah trying to find some news and this is isn't super current but it's only a few months ago and and someone might have already come across this if they're really interested in zach baggins from ghost Are adventures you giving us old ass news in july <laughs> well it's hard to find you know what i think about zach baggins when i hear his name come on ghosts i'll fight you let's go ghosts <laughs> you know he's it's almost like he's always trying to fight the ghost with his roided outrage you know he's trying so hard to push buttons and you know like provoke. I guess, and provoke and uh he buys a lot of this is what this is about but he buys a lot of haunted items he's interested yeah, in haunted items yeah and so he bought some sort of guitar that was linked to a death baggins is now the owner of a supposedly haunted acoustic guitar that could have been involved in the death of a teenager in 1979 I don't play guitar very well, but you can assure that I will most definitely play this instrument and see if anything happens to me, Baggins wrote in Newsweek. 
<laughs> He's going to yell at the guitar. Come on, ghost. <laughs> Show up. Start playing the guitar, ghost. He just sits down and starts Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. <laughs> so Bagans purchased the guitar, the brand of which is unknown since the logo has been removed, through online music retailer Reverb. And it retail. They he bought it for guess how much money? Two dollars. A dollar ninety nine. Six hundred and sixty six dollars. Wow. <laughs> Reverb's listing included a macabre story of the instrument. Apparently, the seller was given the acoustic guitar, which is said to be cursed by the mother of the deceased boy. The seller listed the instrument with a warning to the future buyer: "Please use extreme caution when conjuring the phantasmic spirits that seem to be channeled through this." iniquitous instrument so this is what i think we should do becky is start claiming we have haunted very items. haunted demonically <laughs> haunted items and start selling them towards zach bag okay for his, exorbitant amounts his of museum <laughs> gotcha okay i'm down with that what do i have who would what know have? yeah who would know this that? bobblehead here this goes crazy at night <laughs> yeah. you just hear it bobbling six thousand dollar <laughs> And, and 66 cents or whatever. Exactly. Well, this is kind of cool. There's a flying car prototype. Have you guys seen that video? No. Um, I've watched a lot of that type of stuff, but I might have seen it. A friend of mine actually sent me the video of it, and a Slovakian company is working on developing a flying car. They took a big step forward this week when their prototype successfully completed an intercity test flight. And it's called the Air Car. It took flight uh, over the course of 35 minutes, and it approximately traveled about 45 miles to the Slovakian capital of Bratislava. Upon landing, the creators of the craft provided a fantastic display of its feasibility by immediately transforming it from an aircraft back into a car. It's uh, powered by a 160 horsepower BMW engine, and uh, it's running a fixed propeller positioned at the back of the vehicle. So what do you guys think? Are we going to start driving around, flying around in cars now? I don't know. There's a lot of accidents on the road. There I can't is. imagine it <laughs> happening up in the I sky know. with a bunch of idiots like DWIs in the, at the yeah. airspace. You How do you regulate people? where to drive unless they have like drones with lights on them in the air, you know, different heights and stuff like the top height might be the fast lane. Right. Yeah, I've always wondered about that. How you regulate where to fly it's gonna be like the fifth element guys come on yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. Gonna be flying I, taxis i don't know if we're gonna see those practically in our lifetime but w again with the drone technology i picture it being sort of i think i might have might have seen a picture of it it looks like it's got some drone kind of propellers you know you know for lift but right i i, I think that's gonna be the way it's not gonna be rocket fuel it's going to be, you know, a rechargeable battery with little Which is spinners. kind of scary. There better be some sort of backup parachute or something because yeah. I don't know if I'd feel safe like that, but there will be people doing that. The tragic fate ball predicts your demise. A macabre twist of the magic eight ball known as the tragic fate ball has been invented by Stuart Gorman. His revision of the clairvoyant toy offers darkly humorous answers as to how someone will die, including shot by the Dalai Lama and swallowed a Rubik's cube. Oh, okay. Starting with a 3D printed billiard ball that swaps out the eight for a skull and crossbones, Gorman's construction of the device is demonstrated in a video. You guys can check that out if you want, but just a little fun toy to predict yeah. your demise. <laughs> We've all played with those before. 
I mean, why, why aren't we coming up with these ideas, guys? We could be making $6.66 uh-huh. every time we sell one. There's a giant 3D cat that comes to life on a Tokyo billboard. And there's a video of this, but it's a, a 1,666. What is up with that number today? Oh, that one has to be it. That one's got to be on the podcast. <laughs> they never show up, but that one was that loud. That one was loud. Uh, on a 1,666 square foot curved LED screen in Tokyo's Shinjuku district, a giant cat looms over the crowd near a busy railway station. Part of an experiment in digital signage. The scale of the feline is startling. Finally, a pet cat worthy of Godzilla. This thing is huge, too, and it looks legit. Yeah, I've they're seen getting it. crazy with technology. Oh, you did see it. Mm-hmm. Is it like a, a hologram? That oh. just replied yes. Have you guys heard of Dragon Man? No. no. Okay, this is not as cool. I mean, it's cool, but it's not what you think. So, Dragon Man is a early human skull found in Harbin, China, maybe New Hominin. So basically, they call him Dragon Man only because he was found near the river, which is in Chinese translated to the Dragon River. But his head is humongous, I guess. Oh, so he's not. He's well, that was very misleading. (laughs) Well, this is the thing when they this article doesn't give the diameter or whatever, but I guess it's really huge. And so. Well, I think you got to give us a little bit of a, a huge meaning. What, a watermelon? This article, I've tried to find it, but I saw a video. Well, much bigger than a human skull. Yeah, I think it's pretty pretty damn big. And so what happened is that the people that found this skull were like construction workers. They hid it for 80 years. They didn't want anyone to see it, which is the weirdest thing ever. But then when they finally examine it, now they're saying they have to rewrite history again because this is a another ancient person that they've never seen before doesn't match up to anything they've ever seen it's an alien it sounds like a giant it's a giant so if anyone wants to learn about that that's dragon man i was trying to compare dragon man's head to a bowling ball but let me just tell you there's a michigan man that unearthed a bevy of bowling balls buried beneath his back step this homeowner in michigan was left scratching his head when he unearthed a staggering 160 bowling balls that had been buried beneath his back step the odd discovery reportedly occurred as David Olson was in the process of what initially seemed to be a routine renovation outside his residence in the city of Norton Shores. Things took a strange turn when, while removing the set of stairs leading to his house, he stumbled upon a bowling ball sitting within the steps. The find was merely the tip of the proverbial iceberg, as Olson soon realized that there were a slew of spheres at the spot. So he, he found 158 bowling balls he uncovered. There was a bowling ball factory in the nearby community in... Apparently, the workers there would sometimes take home rejected balls and use them for construction materials. Huh. Who would have thunk? Yeah. <laughs> Jason, you got some more retro news for us? Yep. Uh, this is okay. the second of three. We're, we're, we, we seem to be talking about creatures, so I'm going to go... I was going to save this for last, but we're going to go right into this creature. And this is a story I've been following since I was a kid. Like when there would be little book fairs, you know, in school, they'd have little carts and I would always buy the ghost book. And I heard about this creature called Spring Hill Jack. And what is so cool about this is there's so much newspaper articles and accounts of this. So this takes place between the 1830s and 1870s. So it's around 40 years. But the bulk of what I'm, I'm about to tell you is around mid to late 1830s. So the first sighting was in September 1837. Uh, This takes place in London, England. Uh, A businessman was walking home one night when a figure leapt over a very high cemetery fence, landing in his path. It looked at him for a second 
and leapt away. The man reported that the figure had pointed ears, a long, thin nose, and glowing eyes, and he was around seven feet tall. So the next night, same area, around almost the same same instance, three girls are walking home, and he jumps in their path, lunges at one, rips at her dress as she tries to flee. The other two escape and are screaming, and the cops come, and they find the girl unconscious, and she's okay. Soon after that, there's another instance where Jack leapt into the path of an approaching carriage. The horses bolted away and the carriage crashed, injuring the coachman. He watched Jack leap away over a nine-foot wall from a standing position. Now, after one attack in which a woman survived, there were some clues left behind that the cops found in the soil. There were two footprints that were oddly shaped, and they were three inches deep in the soil, which meant somebody must have landed at a great height. Here's a scary one. It's about about a half a year later, February 1838. Two sisters walk home in Green Dragon Alley, which is kind of a seedy place. Jack suddenly leaps out from the shadows, grabs one of the girls, who is named Lucy. He blasts her in the face with a jet blue of fire and flame coming out of his mouth. She collapses. Jack jumps uh, over all the girls and onto a roof and then disappears. After all this, people would see and sometimes hear Jack on the roof. You'd be eating dinner, and you'd hear something land on the roof. And then you'd look out the window and see it hopping other roofs into the distance. And now the news of these encounters birthed the name Spring Hill Jack. And so many of these terrifying accounts flooded the town's mayor's office that he declared Spring Hill Jack a public menace. Around that time, he would appear in numerous newspapers and penny dreadful magazines. You know, there are one penny. And one in particular says, Spring Hill Jack, the Terror of London. Now, I'm looking at it right now, the picture, and the top half of the picture are two people on horses, and they're looking up at the sky, and there's this, like, <laughs> demonic-looking dude with a cape, like, flying around. And oh uh, the second half is, uh, like, a hot, like, it looks like a... A village and Spring Hill Jack is standing over a victim. Search teams start to regularly patrol the streets. And during this time is the famous Jane Alsop incident. She's home alone at night with her two sisters. The front gate bell rings. She goes and opens the door, and a man outside the gate in the shadows says, I'm a policeman. Bring a light, for we have caught Spring Hill Jack. So she brings a candle to the gate. And she sees the face, and it's spring Jack. He studies her shocked face for a moment, purses his lips, blows blue flames at her, and she goes flying back. He bursts through the gate, rips at her with his claws, and the two sisters drag her inside. She told the cops, and this is her quote, He wore a large helmet and a sort of tight-fitting costume that felt like oil skin. His cape was like that of a policeman. His hands and face pale, long fingers cold as ice to the touch, powerful claws. His eyes were the most frightening. They shone like balls of fire. Uh, about a week later, there's a, a knock at the door, and a young boy answers the door. There's a cloaked man covering half his face, and the cloaked man asks to speak with the master of the house, and Jack slightly moved out of the shadows just in time for the kid to see his face, and he knew it was Jack. And at that moment, Jack lunged at the kid. He slammed the door in his face and 
Jack was scratching at the door, and the boy said that he had eyes of hell. He also noticed a gold W embroidered on the inside of his cape. He usually appears out of nowhere. He leaps away as if he has springs in his feet, and some of the heights they estimated were 25 feet. Um, He wore a black cape, had a long, pale, sunken in face, pointy ears, glowing eyes, cat-like retractable nails, which freaks me out. Uh, He's very lanky, seven feet tall. He would laugh sometimes during the attack, and he would laugh while he was fleeing. And he had a very metallic-sounding voice. He had the blue flame that would come out of his mouth, and he mostly attacked women. He did attack some guys, some men, but mostly women. He was never caught. He almost was caught, though, at a particular time. He was cornered by a group of cops in an alley. He laughed at them and leapt onto a roof and out of sight. There's a couple more sprinkled about that they attribute to Spring Hill Jack, but this is uh, one of the ones where near the end of, of what, what I've been saying, like what people have been talking about. It's August 1887 at Elder Shots Barracks. A group of soldiers are on guard, and they notice one night a figure down the road. It leaps towards them. They start firing shots, and it leapt away. The bullets didn't seem to affect him, and when the soldiers turned around to go back to the barracks, he was behind them. He slapped a soldier, laughed, and spat blue flame all around, and they were firing directly at him, point blank. Nothing affected him, and he leaps away. So the question is, is he an E.T.? Is he a genius prankster? Is he from another dimension? Demon? So, yeah, I mean, I'm just, that's just the tip of the iceberg, but there are so many stories in this time period of the 1830s and 1870s about this creature. And Hmm. uh, there you go. That's Spring Hill Jack. He sounds like a comic book book story, you know, like a, he's got a cape, he's got a W. (laughs) Well, you know what I would do if I saw that thing? What? Run. <laughs> I think he was uh I happen to think that he was probably whoever wrote Jeepers Creepers must have heard of Spring Hill Jack. Oh, for it, sure. That's what it I reminded me so, of. Yeah. yeah. yeah I love it sounds that. Movie like too. that. Well, since we kind of equated him to possible ET, let's talk about a few UFO and ET things. There was another uh, cow mutilation. As well as if you look up any kind of paranormal news lately, you're just going to see UFOs like crazy spotted all over the damn place. This is coming out of Argentina. There was a cow that was discovered mutilated under mysterious circumstances the day after a UFO was witnessed in the same location. Jorge Gabriel Rome. I was going to say Jorge Jorge Miguel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Best Christmas song ever. <laughs> yes. The odd incident occurred last month in the rural province of La Pampa when a man working in a field spotted a dim light moving beneath another brighter object that was suspended in the air. The two UFOs subsequently melted into one and then departed from the sky at an incredible speed. The wondrous event took a dark turn the following day when the witness returned to work and made a grim discovery. Around 1,500 feet from where he had seen the UFO, the worker stumbled upon a cow that had been mutilated in a manner all too familiar to those who have studied the strange phenomenon. So it had been sliced with surgical precision and its soft tissues removed. When the man tried to bring his dog near the downed creature, it refused to go near the dead animal. Which is unusual because dogs love death. They love to... My beagle used to roll in Oh, yeah, dead. they roll in dead birds. 
60% of Americans believe the government is hiding UFO secrets. Yeah, I, I kind of I'm with that, that one. Yeah, for sure. If I was to ask you guys, which town is the real UFO capital in the U.S., what would you think? Oh. Huh. Yeah, I don't know, because you hear about it happening all over the place. I've heard a lot coming from, like, Florida. I don't yeah, I'll know. Say, I'll say Mexico City. They get a lot, too. See, and I would have thought that, too. But no, actually, it's uh, coming out of Wisconsin. Wow. Dundee, Elmwood. And I actually had a friend that recorded UFOs in downtown Milwaukee, I think. And it, it was legit, man. I mean, this was a friend of mine and she had her cell phone and you could see these lights just going in and out, melting and coming out. And I was like, wow, that was so blatantly right over the city, downtown at night when everyone's out getting drinks and everything. But yeah, Dundee, Wisconsin. They have more reports than any other place in the in the U.S. It's known for its uh, great cheese and beer and UFOs. That makes well, sense. I, I mean, I'm they... not going there. They seem to like to chill out in areas where there's not a lot of traffic and people so they can do right. their evil bidding. A motorist in Ohio crashes car after letting God take the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> a woman in Ohio found herself in considerable trouble with the law following a car crash that occurred when she decided to let God take the wheel. According to a local media report, the bizarre incident occurred last month in the city of Beechwood when cops were called to the scene of an incident involving a vehicle that had careened into a house. Upon their arrival, police were greeted by the unnamed driver of the car, who provided a rather jaw-dropping explanation for what just happened. Following a series of trials and tribulations, which had befallen her life in recent weeks, including the loss of her job, the woman embarked on an ill-advised test of faith while driving through the city, opting to let go and let God take the wheel. The motorist proceeded to accelerate to an ex... <laughs> To a staggering 100 miles per hour, sped through a red light where she clipped another vehicle in the intersection. The slight collision sent her car spinning out of control into a utility pole, then another car, and then ultimately into a house. While some might suspect that the driver's decision to hand control over to the car over to God was the result of some kind of impairment, an examination of the woman at the hospital where she was later treated found no signs of drugs or alcohol consumption. <laughs> the motorist was ultimately charged with several offenses, including felony assault and endangerment of a child, an 11-year-old daughter in the car at the time of the crash. Fortunately, no one was hurt. And amazingly, the woman told the cops that she still believed that she did the right thing, despite the damage caused by the attempt at conjuring divine intervention. Sorry, Your <laughs> Honor. It was uh, Jesus who crashed the car. Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he, doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to drive he's from 2000 years ago he doesn't even know how to probably drive a horse cart he can just miracle <laughs> it you know yeah you have to miracle it that would be how it would be so we've got a mosquito tornado in siberia that was oh weird. great we've got giant goldfish found in minnesota lake because people should not be dumping those into the lakes that's <laughs> causing a bit of a problem uh -huh. and uh what else you got jay the third of my reporting of retro scary news one of my favorite little areas of the paranormal i would say are doppelgangers so i have two little instances of doppelgangers and again if you like the twilight zone there's there's an episode called mirror image where a woman is trying to buy a bus home her life is in shambles and ultimately yeah you well you got to watch it. it's really good so instance one london 1888 british museum of london Reverend Lemon had an appointment to meet the museum's manager, Dr. Westcott, in the museum's reading room, which had one entrance, and that was the exit as well. The Reverend was late, 
and showed up to find the doc chatting with a friend named Liz Salmon. Liz told the reverend, oh, the doc's ready. He's right over here. And when she pointed where he was sitting, he was gone. So that being there's only one exit, none of the other museum workers saw the doctor leave. Liz was baffled that the workers saw Doc enter, but not leave. Five other people throughout the museum saw the Doc walking around, and it turns out the Doc had been home all day in bed with a cold and a fever. So this is instance number two, and it's concerning 32-year-old French teacher Emily Sagui. To preference this, she lost 18 jobs in 16 years because of her double, which sucks. I mean, I can't... You know what I mean? Like, just leave me alone. Let me just, I'm just trying to make a living here. Right? Yeah. So this is in uh, 1845. So Emily took a job in Livonia, which is now Russia. Her pupils loved her and said she was kind and a good natured person. But word soon grew that she could be at two places at once. At one time, two pupils were arguing that Emily was in her classroom while the other one said she was sitting in the garden. And another instance, Emily was at the chalkboard teaching when a second Emily appeared next to her, mimicking her movements, acting like she was writing on the chalkboard without chalk. The class was astonished as the second Emily soon vanished. Another time, the school saw Emily wandering the schoolyards as the other Emily was home sick in bed. Another day, the class was waiting when Emily entered. Some students saw the double in the garden out the window at the same time. So one of the students walked to the garden to talk to Emily number two, and the student touched her and said she didn't feel real, as if she was made out of the felt of cobwebs. So Emily number two soon faded away in front of the girl's eyes. Whenever each of the second doppelganger Emily's were around, the real Emily would become lethargic and listless, as if the double was draining her energy. And this continued some time throughout Emily's teaching career, the 16 years. The Horrifying. description of her, what she felt like is really creepy. It really is. Well, that, in the, when it materialized and was mimicking her movements, I would have had a heart attack. I would have had a heart attack, too. At 12. I was... This happened to me once, right? So when I was in Italy, right, in the religious life, there was this mass that was going on up in Constantia, the Mother of Joy House of Prayer. So my mom had, I don't know if I talked to her on the phone when I was in Italy or it was like a letter that they sent, but they're like, they're asking me, did you bilocate to the prayer house? What? I know. <laughs> I'm like, no, not that I know of. And... They're like, everyone was going up to my mom and saying, we saw Stephanie here. We saw Stephanie here. And my mom's like, where? I don't see her. You know, she could, she didn't see anyone that looked like me. Yeah. So a few years later, I'm at the prayer house. This woman comes up to me and goes, oh, you look just like my daughter. <laughs> she was, we've been here before. Oh, so And I go, okay. it was someone that looked like yeah. me. But for that the makes longest sense. time, I thought, am I leaving my body? I don't know it. <laughs> well, they say we all have a twin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I'm that whole doppelganger thing is a whole nother level. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was funny that they were asking me, did you bilocate? I'm like, <laughs> are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the spirit. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can email us at to the spirit pod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find us on YouTube. You can like comment and subscribe. And, uh, 
want to say anything good stuff i have nothing to say <laughs> okay stay spooky friends yeah. stay spooky bye guys bye, bye. to the spirit podcast supernatural Science. I'm ghost, I'm ghost, I'm ghost, I'm ghost. Psychic. Mystic. Spirit. Divine source. Heaven. The dead. It's magic, magic.